Hello everybody, my name is Foggy Jack, and today we're going to talk about the sinister side of the alien abduction phenomenon. Hello everybody, my name is Foggy Jack, and I'm the Shock Bazaar Mental Mentalist, and the host of the Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Now, let's head on down to the pumpkin patch for more. Hello, everybody. Today, we're going to talk about aliens. Aliens are something that I'm very interested in and that I love talking about and reading about, especially on this on this um, podcast. So today, we're going to jump a little bit into the UFOlogy and the um, abduction phenomena. There can be very few people who are... There can be very few people who are interested in the domain of supernatural phenomena who have not heard of the so-called alien abduction phenomena. It is a subject that has captured the attention of not just UFO enthusiasts, but also the mainstream media and the public, too. To demonstrate how the subject has become part of the mainstream, only one only has to come only has to take a look at the story of Wesley Stryber, 1987 book Communion. In no time at all, Stryber's book, which told of his very own encounter with abductors that he called The Visitors, became a New York Times bestseller. Such a thing was previously unheard of in the domain of UFOlogy. On top of that, Stryber and his late wife, Anne, received quite literally quite literally, hundreds of thousands of letters from the readers of Communion, all wanting to share their own personal stories. Clearly, the phenomena resonates with people to an extraordinarily high degree. It is hard to say with 100% certainty that the first alien abduction event occurred. Many early encounters may have never been revealed, chiefly due to concerns of fear or ridicule. There is, however, no doubt at all about which case was responsible for bringing the issue to the wide audience. It was a curious affair that that occurred one night, September 19, 1961, and which was chronicled at length in John Fowler's very apparently titled book of 1966, The Interrupted Journey. The story revolves around a married couple, Barney and Betty Hill, from New Hampshire. They had taken what promised to be a welcome vacation in Canada. It was the pair had a great time, one of the highlights of which was a trip to Niagara Falls. It was on the way back home, however, that everything went wrong and their lives rapidly unraveled. All was normal until on one particular dark stretch of road near Lincoln, New Hampshire, the hills saw something strange and the black skies above them. What it was, Betty and Barney had no idea, but it certainly didn't look like a regular aircraft or helicopter, that's for sure. There was, there were particularly attracted by its shape and its immense, immense intensity of its lights as compared to the stars in the sky. Um... So amazed by what they were seeing, Betty and Barney stopped their car and got out to take a closer look at it. With Barney's binoculars, which would, had been fortunately brought along on their vacation, the object, perhaps reacting to its actions of the pair, shot away, performing erotic maneuvers such as constantly changing its flight pattern and even briefly hovering silently in the sky. Then something even more incredible happened. What appeared to be a pair of wings came out of the craft, which now gave the vehicle an appearance that was somewhat airplane-like. According to Major Henderson, 
in his aforementioned report, the pair saw the craft swoop down in the general direction of their of their automobile. As the UFO closed in, both husband and wife could now hear a curious series of buzzes coming from it. The object soon shot away, and the hills, amazed and more than a bit alarmed over what happened, couldn't do much beyond continue with their drive. Interestingly, although they did not see the craft again, they did hear the odd buzz once more, this time as they were in the area of Ashland, roughly around 30 miles away from Lincoln. Um, While that, in essence, is what the Hills consistently remembered, there was also a matter of what was deeply buried within the minds of Betty and Barney, and which they couldn't remember, at least not consciously anyways. In the days and weeks after the event, both Betty and Barney began to experience traumatic and frightening dreams of not just seeing a UFO, but also of being taken on board it and essentially being treated like lab rats. They were subject to a number of trauma-filled experiments, which included the painful experience of Betty having a needle pushed into her navel. It also—it sounds vaguely like um, an amniocentience test, but it was clearly something else. And during an, that procedure, the needle is insert, inserted into the wall of the ab, abdomen, finally reaching the anemic sac. When the nightmare grew even even worse for the hills they continued for they continued for no less than a couple of years the pair knew that they had finally had to do something about it which they eventually did in doing so they alerted the world to the alien abduction phenomena although that was certainly not their intention in december 1963 barney and betty decided to consult a massachusetts-based psychiatrist named benjamin simon who was also a neuro neurologist a wealth of hypnotic sessions soon followed, which showed that the Hills had experienced a significant amount of what in UFO research is known as missing time. Something very strange had taken place on the drive home, something which fairly, finally led to the Hills to the conclusion that alien entities had wiped their memories clean of what really happened on that dark September night in 1961. Such was an interesting interest in the case, which back then was largely unique to the, Uf- the field of UFOlogy. It led John Fuller of Penn to pen the interrupted journey. The alien abduction phenomenon was duly born. It has not only continued to live, it, pos- it positively thrives, and on a worldwide basis, too. Since then, since the now historic encounter of Betty and Barney Hill in September 1971, literally thousands of reports of alien abductions have been reported all across the globe. How many cases remain completely unreported? unreported for fear of ridicule ridicule or of being labeled a liar or a crank and it's anyone's guess there is however one aspect of alien abduction controversy that most absurdly does not get the coverage it deserves it is the issue that involves the siphoning and even the ingestion of the human soul by creatures from some other realm of existence that appear to be definitively soulless It's an aspect of the UFO phenomenon which takes us down an avenue that is far removed from what generally passes for tales of flying saucers and little green men. Many UFO researchers are reluctant to address the alien or eating our soul theory. The fact is, though, there are far more than a few such reports on uh, on record. In fact, it's fair and accurate to say that there is an incredible number of such cases. The problem is, however, that for so many UFOlogists, the subject is so troubling and disturbing, they choose to outright ignore it. Before we get to the eating angle, there's let's first make a case 
that there is indeed a connection between the alien abduction issue and the human soul. You may be surprised by the scale of such encounters. One of the earliest and most intriguing cases on record came from a man named Paul um, just one year before the Second World War broke out in 1939. Um, Paul, who died in 2010, went down with a very serious case of malaria, so serious that it was that it that for a while Paul perilously hovered in that mysterious domain between life and death. It was while he was in limbo-like state that Paul had a frightening dream. Years later, he recalled how it went down. It was an undetermined time in the Earth's future, and UFO-like craft were soaring across the fire and smoke-filled skies of our ruined radioactive planet and launched nuclear missiles at our major cities, killing billions and causing planet-wide destruction. The UFOs were not piloted by extraterrestrials, though, by, but by demonic entities whose goal was to sh- suck out the souls of those they killed in the fiery inferno, which is rap- rapidly overwhelming the Earth and just about everything on it. For Paul, it was quite literally a wake-up call. The malaria cleared up, Paul came out of his unconscious state, and he spent the rest of his life pursuing a career in the church and warning people to avoid the UFO issue, fearing that that it would lead people to become ensnared by malevolent demonic monsters. The unsettling story of Paul dates back to 1930, and it was in 1950 that he largely began talking about his nightmarish dream. After he realized that what he had seen in 1938 were images of nuclear explosion and mushroom clouds of the type that were too fam- were all too familiar by the 1950s. The importance it's important to note, though, that the issue and a connection between UFO a- aliens and the human soul didn't really surface to any kind of meaningful degree until the latter part of the 1980s, which takes us back to the issue of Whiteley Stryber's bestseller of 1987, Communion. When, the word, when words of Stryber's planned book first got out, most ufologists assumed that the book, in terms of, the, of its content and its theories, would be farly akin to John Fuller's The Interrupted Journey. Both books adhered to the now-familiar theory that aliens are stealing our DNA to save their waning species. Well, they are certainly stealing something, but it is not our DNA. Stryber revelations were, in many respects, far removed from the writings of Hopkins and Fuller which is why the book created such a firestorm in these in these locals um, in the UFOologist hangout. The communion striver made it very clear that his own encounters were with the visitors and those of others he had spoken to revealed a startling connection between alien abductions and the human soul, even a paradigm-shifting connection. And in the book, Stryber talked about how abductees experience their souls dragged from their bodies during abductions. Schreiber himself was told by the abductors that they recycled human they recycled human souls. That sounds quite com- comforting as it suggests reincarnation, but it may be a reality, something which will ins- ensure us further lives after this one. But was Schreiber being told the entire truth by his captors or was the attempt on the part of them pushing down things down a different, more appealing path. Certainly, Stryber admitted something noted, notable that suggests he recognized that not only not everything was good and positive. Stryber said that he, the more and more he digged into the matter of the encounters, as, his, as he tried to get handle on what was afoot, he was unable to banish from his mind the theory of Charles Fort, 
For those who may not know, he was an acclaimed writer in all manners of paranormal phenomena. His book included Low and Wild Tenants. Fort had darkly suggested that Schreiber, Schreiber's own words in his 1988 book, Transformation, we the human race are, quote, animals here for the slaughter and incapable of seeing the greater and more terrible meaning that surrounds us, end quote. As for more on Charles Fort's opinions, they can be read in his classic title of 1919, The Book of the Damned. Fort wrote, it is, I think, we're property. I should say we belong to something. That once upon a time, this earth was no man's land. In other words, worlds explored and colonized here and fought among themselves for possession. But that's now its own, but now that it's owned by something that something owns this earth, all others warned off. So I don't know, I've never heard of the alien soul theory, basically, but um, I definitely think it's something that I need to look more into. Um, aliens are something I love to talk about. I love studying UFOlogy and all that kind of stuff. I've been to Skinwalker Ranch and all that kind of stuff, and I've seen UFOs. Um, nothing, you know, too crazy. I've seen I've had two UFO counters in my life. Um, one time I was sitting down in uh, Moab, Utah with a bunch of friends and we were sitting there and we were looking into the mountains and we could see something rise kind of like from the valley, rise up to like the center and it hovered there for a while and then it disappeared. And then the second time I was actually, actually happened last year, I was at a parade um, getting ready to walk in the parade and I'm sitting there and I see this um, silver orb um, and it's up in the sky and I watch it go from north to south and I watch it and I watch it and I watch it and I blinked and it, you know I, I watched it for a good minute minute and a half and it got over and I blinked and it was gone um, those are my only two UFO experiences, but it's definitely something to look into. And, you know, I've never heard of aliens taking souls before, but it's something that's, that's very interesting. If that is what you, if that's the path you want to go down with aliens. Um, I think there's a lot bigger things happening with aliens and all that kind of stuff, but it's very interesting. And uh, thank you guys for joining me. You've seen him on YouTube, Instagram, and even live. But you've never seen Foggy Jack quite like this. Foggy Jack, a rainbow Halloween, is a special production for the Idaho Halloween and Horror Convention. Foggy Jack has broken the mold with this one. Come and discover why the shock bizarre mental mentalist sucker punched a leprechaun and stole his rainbow. Confetti will fly, colors will shine, and Halloween will get blasted in the face with insert innuendo here. Foggy Jack will make sure you walk away saying something good about the show. This is a colorful show you won't want to miss. And remember, this is only happening at the Idaho Halloween and Horror Convention taking place August 12th through 14th in Boise, Idaho. Don't be a square. Be there. Why is it ABBA every time?